1: Hello, Cherie here, the host and producer of Women's Running Stories. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about another podcast I know you would really enjoy. It's Starting Line 1928. It's an oral history project documenting the lived experiences of women distance running pioneers. The women who run and host this show are a team of freelance historians, and they interview women who are trailblazers in the sport with a special emphasis on women of color and others whose voices haven't been heard as often. Their guests have included Olympians, steeplechase pioneers, ultra-running champions, coaches, and those who have fought hard for women to have new opportunities in the sport. An episode that I really enjoyed recently featured Madeline Manning's MIMS, Among many of Madeline's great accomplishments, she was the first American woman to win gold in the 800-meter at the Olympics, and that fact remained until Tokyo 2020 when Ating Mu won the gold. There's so much depth to her story. She led a fascinating life, and she was a great champion in the sport on many levels— and that's one of the things I really love about Starting Line 1928 is that they get into all of the details of these women's lives, giving us the full context of why these women are so important in our sport. Go check them out. Subscribe. Listen. You can learn more on their website, startingline1928.com. And you can follow them on Instagram at Line 1928 and on Twitter at startline1928. All right. Let's get on with the episode.
0: Sitting in those grandstands and just watching these people, and there's so, like, it brings you to tears. And you don't know why. Like, I have no idea why, like, finishing Boston or finishing New York just, like, brings everybody to tears in, like, such a beautiful way. But, like, I'm excited to figure out why. I mean, I'm sure, like, some of those tears are because you just ran 26.2 miles, but there's just this, like, magic that everyone describes – that, like, I just want to find for myself, but also I just want to know because there's something about especially road running where, like, you're all doing the same event that just connects you to so many people, and that's just something I'm missing as far as, like, the marathon goes because I can't connect with people to that level because I haven't run one, so I have no idea what they're talking about when they're, like, telling me their experience, but it would be really cool to, like, or it will be really cool to, like, finally be more or less in their shoes and have like done the same thing
1: women's running running, running. women's Women's running running stories. stories
0: My name is Erica Kemp. I am originally from New Jersey. I am a professional runner, and I enjoy competing in distances from 5K up into the marathon.
1: And indeed, Erica is adding the marathon to her list of events this April 17th when she debuts that distance at the Boston Marathon. Hello and welcome to Women's Running Stories. We are a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I am Cherie Louise Turner, I am your host and producer, and yes, in this episode, you are going to hear about Erica Kemp's entire running journey as she looks forward to take on the new challenge of 26.2 miles. If you aren't already familiar with Erica's racing career, just know that she is one of the top professional road racers in the United States today. Up until recently, she was a member of the Boston Athletic Association professional team. She left that team at the end of last year, and she just signed with Brooks running. So she will be racing for Brooks when she comes in to the Boston Marathon. One of the things I found particularly interesting about Erica's career, and what has brought her quite a bit of wisdom as an athlete, is that while she has had a lot of success in the sport, she has also had some downturns. And it's the way that she's come back from those that I've found really interesting And you're about to hear all about it. So let's get to it. Here is Erica Kemp.
0: Running definitely felt like it chose me. I was not one of those people who grew up in like a family that ran. It wasn't something I was surrounded by. It wasn't something a lot of my friends did. I just organically fell into it because my soccer coach in high school also happened to be the girls track coach. And after a lot of convincing on their end, I finally tried out for the team and more or less had immediate success. But yeah, I was just like, who doesn't like winning? So when you have that sort of success, especially so soon after trying something new, it's like very exciting and very enticing to continue down that path. But since I didn't grow up with a love for the sport, I did find it incredibly boring and monotonous. And because most of my friends weren't on the track team, I had some periods of time where I resented the fact that it took up so much of my time when I would rather spend it with my friends who weren't on the team, which was something when I was younger, I definitely prioritized my social life and just not putting the time and effort into training. And there was a period of time where I just didn't compete either. I just didn't show up to the meets. I did go to practice, but I came up with an excuse not to compete for like five or six weeks in a row. And after like the fifth or sixth meet, I literally just no-showed. My coach told me I was off the team and to come back when I actually cared and wanted to commit myself like the rest of the team, because it was unfair to them that I was just not showing up, even though I was supposed to be a crucial member of this team, which was fair enough. And when he told me that, I wasn't even upset. It made a lot of sense. And the way I saw it in the moment was I got my freedom back. And I got to go hang out with my friends, but that wore off very quickly because that was indoor track. So I came back outdoors with a much better attitude and kind of a greater appreciation for getting to be on the team. Because at that point, up until like middle of my junior year of high school, it felt like I was not forced. No one ever made me do track, but it was something I was good at and something I'd been talked into. But when it was actually like taken away and I didn't just get to show up and compete, it, I realized that it was a privilege. And if I wanted to participate in this, I had to be just like everybody else and like actually put in the effort and the time and the commitment because it is not guaranteed that you just get to show up and go to these meets just because you're good. So that was a big turning point when I really started to actually appreciate having the opportunity to participate in the sport.
1: Erica carried that appreciation all the way through to her senior year. But even after winning a state title in the 3,200 meters during the indoor season of that senior year, she'd kind of had enough. She figured that was going to be the end of her racing career.
0: But then there was a change of seasons. As outdoors came around, The further I got into my outdoor season, the more I realized like, I don't think I'm done because at that point I actually did start training a little more because I didn't really do any, not any, I didn't do a lot of my runs in high school. I showed up and I did the workouts very well. And like, I always like gave my all at practice, but I never did the miles I was supposed to do by myself because I thought it was boring and going for a run by yourself seemed really weird. So I just never really did it. So, senior year, I did run a little bit more and the workouts were much better. And suddenly I started PRing even more in all the events. And I was like, oh, like, I'm not done with this. It was
1: late in her senior year when Erica decided to recommit to racing. And lucky enough, there was still a spot open at North Carolina State University where she had a great career and Probably even more important, she had a really great time. She ran fast, she improved, she had great teammates, great coaches, and she was a six-time All-American. And by the time she graduated, she had found so much to love in this sport that there was no question she was going pro.
0: If you have the opportunity to continue doing something that you enjoy, and for me at the time, it was just something I didn't feel like I was finished with. Like, it was the same... Feeling that I got at the end of high school, where it was like, I feel like I still have a lot of untapped potential, and I just don't want to walk away from the sport thinking, well, what could have I done?
1: Immediately after graduating from NC State, Erica signed with the Boston Athletic Association. And for her very first race as a professional, she lined up on November 3rd, 2018, to race the USATF 5K National Championships.
2: It's marathon weekend in New York City, and before 26.2 tomorrow, we have more hardware to hand out today. Some of the nation's best 5K runners sprint through the city streets in pursuit of a U.S. ATF championship. Olympians like Amy gets up for third. How about Erica Kemp, the 23-year-old out of Mount Holly, New Jersey, sneaking in for second place in her first ever road 5K. Wow. Yeah, that's a great uh, performance by her. The All-American at North Carolina State comes up, and uh, you know when she looks down the list of uh, people she just uh, beat on this road course, it'll take uh, a lot of uh, time for her to come, come off of cloud nine because that is a, a performance for the ages for that kind of, uh, debut on the roads. So
0: it looked like Amy. Craig. Yeah. I think I was very lucky <laughs> to have such a good debut as a, as an official pro because it definitely kind of reaffirmed all of my decisions. It, I know it's not the same for everyone. And, you know, sometimes it takes time to have that first breakthrough or like that first just signal that like you made the right decision So it was really nice to just kind of go out there and have a really great first run out. At the time, because it was so new, there was just absolutely nothing to think about, nothing to worry about. I had been building myself back up and kind of on the rise heading into that race. So I didn't think I would do that well, but I knew I was in very good shape. And because it was on the roads, I hadn't done a lot of road races up to that point, but I had done a lot of 5Ks. And there's just something about the road that was so exciting and so fun that, like, you don't even know what's happening. You're just, like, competing. So that's what I went out to do, and it just ended up being a really great day. Erica would
1: keep that success train rolling right into 2019 when she towed the line at the 15K National Championships on March 9th in Jacksonville, Florida.
0: Yeah. That It was very similar to the 5K in that I just went out to compete. Again, it was like something I had never done before. It was a race I had never done before, but competition is probably the most fun thing for me because you don't have to worry about splits. You're just trying to get to the front and you're just like working and chipping away at it. And the 15K was like a little different and a little intimidating because it was the furthest I'd ever run at that point. So I just wanted to get to 10K with the leaders, and that year we happened to have a really good pack through 10K, and then it was like, okay, once you get to 10K, like race the last 5K, like whatever that means. Like. But it looks like Erica making an increase
2: in effort. She's got a step on Bethany. Bethany letting a little bit of daylight grow.
0: And I did that and ended up winning, which was crazy. There she is, Erica. First time U.S. champion, and Bethany actually not that far behind. Erica Kemp, though, the overall U.S. champion, and here comes Maggie. I don't know. It's so crazy just the reaction you get because all of a sudden you have all these people following you, and I still get messages from fans in Jacksonville, Florida, because I won that race that are rooting for me in every race I do, not just that specific race, but it's just so... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Obviously, it's like a good feeling. You get the flag, you have all these people that now like know your name and they're like so excited for you and they have no idea who you are, but you won that race and you won it in their town. You're wearing an American flag and it just like means so much to everybody. But I've realized the gravity of it kind of later on when I wasn't doing so well, like in those sort of couple of lows that I've had. It made me value those performances a lot more just because I had them so early. Like I was second and my first race and then a few short months later, like I think it was like six or seven months later, I won the 15K. So right off the bat, my first year, I had a lot of success. So then when things kind of weren't going so well, I was like, oh my gosh, like I've had some really great performances and like I need to get back to that. So it definitely took a little time to sink in how much those meant.
1: Erica had had stupendous early success in her professional racing career, but it wasn't to last forever. Coming into the lead up to the Olympic trials, which were supposed to be for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, life and the uncertainties and disruptions brought on by COVID started to take their toll.
0: It was super weird. I think having that long period of no competition from everything being shut down from COVID definitely didn't help because like I said, I enjoy competition and it definitely breaks up training a lot more. So having those really, really long training blocks, I don't think did me a whole lot of favors. It just felt like we had been training for this thing for over a year because they were postponed an entire year. So there was like more or less like a 12-month buildup to this one race, which is incredibly long when usually it's like a 12-week buildup and then by the time I actually like got to the trials like physically I was feeling a little run down and then mentally I was just like out of it like I didn't want to be there I didn't want to run hard anymore I was just like at the end of my rope but then you don't get to decide when those races come up because that that's a hard date on the calendar so no matter how you're feeling on that day, the race is on that day, regardless of how you feel. So my first Olympic trials experience wasn't as magical as I'd hoped it'd be. And there's a lot of factors that go into why. I like to think that like mentally, like I'm pretty tough and like things don't bother me. And I'm like a very like chill person and just like, you know, like go with the flow, like just like things don't really like get to me that much. Or at least I like say that and like, for the most part, act like it. But up to that point, especially like the month leading into the trials, I had a lot of just like turbulence in my personal life. And since you're so close to this major event, like everyone around you is just telling you to like not think about it. They're like, oh, just like don't think about it. Like put all of your mental energy into what you're doing in this moment. Like be present and like all of those things, which is not bad advice, but it's one of those things that's much easier said than done. Like, yes, you can like tell me not to worry about it. And I promise you I'm doing my best not to worry about it. But when your like personal life is in shambles, like that stress is going to get to you. And whether or not you're like actively acknowledging it, it's still like eating away at like your energy and just like everything. And because all of that was happening, like behind the scenes, running starts to feel like shallow and like unimportant. And that's like, a terrible way to feel about your sport when you're at one of the biggest competitions for it. So it was just like very hard to get on that start line and truly put my all into it when like a large piece of me didn't even want to be there. And I definitely was feeling a little bit of physical burnout before that as well. So just like it wasn't doing me any favors. Because when you're struggling mentally, at least for the most part, I can usually go to like, well, I'm in really good shape. So if I can just like hold it together and stay focused, I'm in really good shape. My body is in good condition. So I can just like go on autopilot and like my legs will carry me through. But when your body is also feeling a little run down and not so good, and then that Little piece that's supposed to be motivating you to like overcome that feeling isn't working because it's dealing with something else, then it just kind of feels like you're just dragging out there because there's nothing to pull from.
1: Erica made it to the finals of the 5K at the Olympic trials, but when the gun went off on June 21st, 2021, signaling the start for that final race to determine the Olympic team. There was just no overcoming the physical and emotional exhaustion Erica had been battling.
0: It's tough when you've worked that long for something and you had such high goals and then it doesn't go your way. And then on top of that, like finishing last ever in anything feels terrible and yes when you put it in perspective like oh you're last but you're last in the final so like you made it so much further than like a large percent of the population and like there is still something to be proud of but it's really hard to see it that way in the moment when you're like everything I had worked for is slipping away and like I'm doing everything I can and it's just not happening going forward I learned that I had to admit to myself that like sometimes my person like stress actually does affect me. I am like a human being because up to that point, I was incredibly convinced that like, not silly, but like personal drama and things like that had no impact on me. Like I was just not one of those people where it like got to me and stressed me out and like would have any impact on my running. And that was just not true. So now I'm like, that is something I'm very aware of and something I do my best to like take care of. And it's been great so far, especially like knowing what it can do. I'm much more proactive about making sure like, you know, my life is peaceful. (laughs) And on the physical side of things, I think it was a lot of lessons learned as far as like how to not be burnt out. And it's like you almost over, or I feel like there were times where we almost overdid it because we were like reaching because It was like, oh, we need to get to this level to achieve these goals. And it's like, yes, like that is something we need to do. But also like just because other people are doing these workouts at these paces or like, you know, so-and-so is running X number of miles, like we are all different athletes. And there's a lot of different ways to get to the start line. And if I get to the start line in what I feel like is good shape and, you know, excited about it, that is my best chance. So I think it was – a lot more learning about what is going to set you up for the best possible race. And that doesn't always look the same for everybody and doesn't always mean the same things for everybody because there's different workouts that work better for some and not others. And just everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. So, and like, it's really easy to like force the issue sometimes, but it also does help if you play into your own strengths.
1: With the Olympic trials behind her, Erica began to wade through the aftermath of that disappointment in search of a path forward.
0: The aftermath was a long (laughs) physical and mental break because it wasn't super easy to pinpoint like which one was the bigger like problem, I guess. Like, was it truly that I was just like super burnout and a little stressed or was I very stressed and not that burnout? Like how do you figure out what it is? And like the answer to most things is usually just some time off. So uh, we stepped back and we said we wouldn't compete again until we were excited about it because that's a huge piece of the puzzle. And like I said, like at that event, I just didn't have any fire to compete. So it was like, we're going to step back from running and like slowly build back into it. Like we'll do workouts when you feel like working out, when you feel excited again. And then we're not going to force, we're not going to put anything on the calendar. We're not going to force the issue. Just whenever we get that itch to race again, we will sign up for something. And I don't know, maybe just like taking the pressure off by not having any races on the calendar helped because I didn't take nearly as much time off as I thought because I had a great fall that year. And when I had to look back at my log to like answer a couple questions, I had only taken like two, I don't even think I took two full weeks off. I took like maybe 10 days off of running and then was already easing back into training and then like crushing workouts like at the end of August, which is like way sooner than like I thought because it felt like I took two months off. But they were, it's just so nice not having, or it was so nice not having the pressure of like, you need to be ready by this day for this thing because we had just spent the last 13 months with that mentality, training for that one thing, and that one thing didn't go well.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings
0: are waiting. Go to your happy place for so that just like 10 days of not worrying about running and you know basically getting a refresh on my personal life was just so freeing and so restorative that when I came back to running I just felt like I had a new life I had a new energy and I was just starting to get excited about it again and because we started off by doing all of these events that One, we're pretty local, which is really nice because they were all in the New England, Boston area. So it's not like we had to travel very far. So it just kind of felt like the stakes were low, even though like some of those races were pretty big. It just like kind of felt like we were just like playing around at home and we were just like trying to find that fire again. And it was just about getting momentum back because it just felt like heading into the trials, like physically and emotionally, I was just losing momentum got to the trials, kind of crashed. And then building momentum is one of the toughest things. But I feel like just the way that that season played out, we started off with like a huge bang. So it got the ball rolling again very quickly.
1: Refreshed and re-energized, Erica did come back with a huge bang. She upped her racing distance once again and took on the 20K national championships on September 6th, just a few months after those low lows of the Olympic trials.
0: The 20K was more just about timing. It just happened to be like the only race about that time of year. And I was getting in really good shape. So I went ahead, we did the 20K. It went super well.
2: And Kemp looks to be taking control of the race. The things hold up as they are now. It looks as though Kemp, Erica Kemp, will be this year's champion on the women's side. At the finish is just as I predicted, Erica Kemp. It is the Erica Kemp show.
0: After that happened we didn't have anything on the calendar until after that race. And after that one was when we decided to do the 25 K just because at that point we didn't have anything planned for October and it was one of the only races in October and it was also on the circuit. So it just made sense to do that one. So that one was also kind of a late decision, but it worked out. I got second. It was super fun and definitely gave me an appreciation for the longer distances
1: So to be perfectly clear here, Erica Kemp was once again a national champion, this time at that 20-kilometer distance. And the 25-kilometer event, which is roughly 15.5 miles, was once again the longest distance she had ever raced. And she podiumed once again. And with these incredible results that she was getting, she was racking up points on the national circuit. Every year, the governing body of racing in the United States, the USATF, gives points at each of the national championship events, which are in various distances, and they take place all throughout the year and all throughout the country. At the end of the year, the runner with the most points wins the circuit. And of course, these national championships, they bring out the fastest runners in the nation. So winning this circuit, it's tough competition. Erica was a bit surprised to find herself as a leading contender in the circuit, but being that that was the case, she decided to go for it, and the rest of her season was dictated by showing up at the championship events where she could earn more points.
0: Coming off the 25K, it was literally a last-minute decision. Like We were sitting in the airport on the way home and decided I should go ahead and just run the 5K because... It's such a quick trip from Boston and it's more points on the circuit. And at that point, I was in contention to win the circuit. But having trained for the longer distances all fall, we had no idea how it would go. Just like hoped it would go well. And I just hoped that my good experiences there before would carry me through. And they did. I ended up third that year, which I didn't expect to be on the podium that year. But I was like super stoked to be there. Then we had the half championships in December, which at that point I was actually starting to feel like a little tired. And since that that one was like a pretty, it was a flat course, it was super intense, and people ran very fast, and I just like didn't quite have it that day.
2: Well, welcome everybody to the 2021 USATF half marathon championships. I'm Chris Nickinson from USATF TV here for the women's race. Today is the uh, deciding race for the uh, USATF running circuit in 2021. It's been in 49.20 and Erica Kemp in seventh, 49.42. Uh, big thing there to keep in mind is uh, Erica is leading the running circuit standings at the moment coming into this race with uh, McKenna nine points back at the start of the race. Uh, if things continue as they are, McKenna's got to get enough points today, m- enough points to leapfrog Erica and win the uh, the 2021 uh, right, circuit. Right, so, uh, so uh, here comes your 2021 USATF running circuit champion, Erica Kemp. Great battle all year long with with Morley. Here comes Erica Kemp.
0: I still finished sixth, which was, like, good enough to give me the points to win the circuit. But at that point, I was so looking forward to, like, a real vacation. (laughs) Erica
1: ended 2021 on an incredibly high note. She'd had those great performances in a variety of races, and she was the overall USATF running circuit winner. A huge accomplishment. And then, coming into 2022, she got covid And that wouldn't be all.
0: COVID was wild. It took me out like literally on the couch sleeping 15 hours a day for like several days after like a very rough fever. And you just like, I felt weird running for probably like a month or so. But even when that like subsided and like the fatigue finally went away and like I felt more or less normal, I had maybe like one and a half, maybe two months of normal running and training before I had like a very small back injury. We were out in Albuquerque and I was literally just bending over to do something. And it was just like, just too much pressure, like too much tightness, too much pressure in my low back. And I just kind of had like a spasm. And those aren't super bad. Like, it's not like they're like super damaging or anything, but they're incredibly painful. So, and like, it takes time for the muscle to kind of like release and, you know, reset before you can like move normally and running especially is just something that's like not going to happen when the muscle is spazzed like spazzed like that so I had to come home I saw a doctor to make sure it wasn't anything they MRI'd it and they were like oh it's like it's okay like you're gonna have to do like physical therapy to hopefully like help this it's like annoying because it's something not something that like happens a lot or that I've like literally had before but at the same time like I get really bad like cramps during like my time of the month and that comes with a lot of like low back tightness and low back pain and that's super normal and it happens every single month but also because of just my posture and this is like the doctor told me it was my posture too so like literally just the way I stand the way I carry myself the way I run also puts a lot of pressure on my low back and Um, the exercises were more to fix my posture because they were like, if you can like do all these exercises and just like strengthen these things and fix your posture, like you, you'll have a less likelihood of this recurring. And thankfully I have not had a single problem since looking back, like, or even at the time, it was so frustrating because I realistically took nine or 10 days off of running, which really isn't much time, especially like when you're to lose fitness or anything like that. But because they happened so close together that it w- it's not like I got injured when I was in really good shape so that I didn't lose too much fitness. It was like I had already like barely crawled my way out of this hole from COVID before I had another like stumble. And just because of what it was, my stride fell off. And there was just a lot of like, you know, PT exercises and things like that to like just feel normal again. And I wasn't sure like how much of that was like, maybe lingering COVID fatigue, or just like the inability to just find my stride. But I just didn't feel like myself for like four or five months after that, which four to five months is just a very long period of time to not feel like yourself. And even it just kind of felt like I was like banging my head against a wall, because you see everybody like getting into shape and starting to compete. And like, your spring season is literally slipping away, because you signed up for these races and you want to compete in these races, but you can't run faster than 6.30 pace. And it's like, I need to race at five minute pace. So this is just accepting that it's not happening is so sad. Like having to scratch from races is like one of the saddest feelings because you signed up for it for a reason, whatever that reason was. But when you get close to it and you're two weeks out or you're one week out and you're like, I physically can't is just like one of the most upsetting things So having to confront that over and over for months was just like very upsetting.
1: (laughs) It wasn't only the physical side of returning to racing that was proving to be challenging.
0: It's super frustrating when your workouts start to go well, because you know you're physically capable of exerting those types of efforts because you've done them in practice and you've seen it happen. But that doesn't always correlate to it coming together on race day. So that was another very frustrating period because you've done this work. You've gotten back up to your regular mileage. You've had some really great workouts. So like in theory, when you get on that start line, you should be competitive because you've done this work, but it just doesn't always happen like that because it's really hard to describe. And like, I definitely can't really put it into words, but there is something else that you need on race day and that's something else comes when like everything comes together and everything clicks and there is just something that just wasn't clicking even though my workouts had gotten better but since your training's gotten a lot better you, you you have no reason to give up because things are progressing but not immediately or even in a short term seeing those results in races is incredibly frustrating but because training continued to keep getting better Like there is a light at the end of the tunnel, even though it's like very, very far away. But just knowing that I am physically still capable of those types of efforts, I knew I like had to keep going and eventually it would click. And I think finding something else to see success in during that period is, was super important and always is. If one thing's not going well, it doesn't mean that everything's going poorly, So during that period, I focused a lot on my physical therapy exercises that the doctor was giving me and just like strengthening all those things because they said I would be a better athlete when I, you know, got stronger in this specific way and like did these things. So being more diligent about those things on my own time, being better at just overall like, you know, self-care and like actually going to see a Cairo every now and then and like getting treatment and things like that just like little things that like I typically neglected or just didn't prioritize when I was competing really well gave me something else to just be better at so I got better at those things and then eventually the races started you know going well again and it was like well nice now I'm like racing well but I've also improved in these other areas
1: Erica kept at it she returned to racing and while things weren't going particularly great she knew at some point they would click again.
0: That moment of I'm back I had when I was visiting my boyfriend in Germany just because coming off of the Cow Harbor 10K, like, it went okay, but it was still in that, like, clump of races where, like, I just, like, wasn't feeling like myself and I just wasn't finishing the way I wanted to finish and I just felt like I was missing a spark. So we... I, like, expressed that to my coach and we tried a few different workouts because I just wanted to, you know, feel like myself again. And like I said, I wanted to finish like I could actually like finish fast. So we did a couple different workouts or he gave me a couple different workouts and I had to execute those on my own in a foreign country. (laughs) But it was just, I don't know if it's the air over there or what happened, but all of my workouts over there went so great. And like being able to execute those on my own without that additional support was just like game changing for me because it was like if i could do this by myself on this random track in a foreign country like there's no reason i can't be competitive on a start line so i just like came back from that trip just like reinvigorated and with all this energy and like excitement because i was like i know that i'm capable of this like You get that race day energy, you get the race day competition, and, like, I think something's going to happen.
2: An Alston woman has won the Boston 10K for women. It was a gorgeous day on the Common for the largest all-women sporting event in New England. Nearly 4,000 women from just about every state were in town to participate. 27-year-old Erica Kemp crossed the finish line first, and she couldn't have been happier.
0: It was really nice to have such a good end to the year because up until the fall, like I would have written off 2022 as such a wash of a year because I spent like 75 to 80% of it not feeling like myself and just like not enjoying it and not 100% healthy. But that last little bit changed everything. And now like when I think of 2022, it's not a complete, not like a waste of time, but It wasn't a wash and there were some great performances and there were a lot of steps forward made. So I think it was nice having kind of those high notes to end the year on because it gave me, you know, a little bit more excitement and a little bit more to shoot for in 23 as opposed to thinking I was going to go into 23 with such a lack of momentum.
1: Erica had that great win at the Boston 10K for women. It was a beautiful day and tough competition. She followed that up with another podium finish at the 5K National Championships in New York City, racing her way into second place once again. Then at the BAA Half Marathon, Erica came in seventh and she was the first American finisher. Once again, she wrapped up the year with some incredible success. She also decided that that would be the end of a chapter. Erica made the tough choice to leave the Boston Athletic Association professional team and spent the first part of 2023 unattached. During that time in January, she raced the super competitive and very fast Houston Half Marathon, where she got herself a 24-second PR. Through all of the ups and downs, Erica has gained a lot of wisdom, which she has learned how to tap into.
0: In general, but also especially with running, because it's such a raw sport. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just like out there and it's you, your fitness, and whatever fire that you have. So running is like a very raw and intuitive sport. So like your feelings do matter a lot because that's kind of all you have to bring with you on that start line. You have your natural talent, you have the physical work you put in, and then you have, you know, all of those emotional pieces. And in order to like compete with a, like a real competitive fire, you need to have, you know, you have to believe in what you're doing and you have to trust yourself because when you're racing, it's all instinctual. And like you hear, All of these great runners give great advice, and a lot of them say like, you know, run your race. If you run your race and execute your race, you will have a good day. But it's like, what does that mean? Running your race is listening to your body and like listening to yourself. So it is a very intuitive sport. So I think that just kind of like carries over into all of my decisions.
1: And of course, one of those big decisions was signing with her new team, Brooks Running. Congratulations to Erica on her new team and we are so excited to have her here in Boston running the Boston Marathon in April. I want to thank Erica so much for coming on the podcast. I was really excited to have her on. I'd been wanting to feature her for a while and the timing was perfect. So thank you so much, Erica. And I am sure that you, like me, will want to keep up with Erica. You can find her on Instagram. She is at... I am Tiny R I K. I of course will link to that in the show notes. And thank you to you for listening. I say it every single time because it's absolutely always true is we love making these episodes, but the power in them is you listening. So thank you for being here. And I do not make this show by myself. Cormac O'Regan does all of the music and the sound design, and he does that from his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner does all the design work for the show, the website, the logo, the social media posts, she does it all. She comes to you from Truckee, California, and you can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com. And I am Sheree Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And as always, I am coming to you from my closet studio in Somerville, Massachusetts. And until next time, I wish you joyful, healthy strides forward. Women's Running 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 stories. Stories.